Thank you. It's a great privilege to be back at Breedwell Heights. Uh, we spent in the past many hours in this building uh, during presbytery meetings. Some pleasant, some not that pleasant. Uh, but a great privilege to, to be here tonight and to see many of you again. If you would please open your Bibles with me at John chapter 13. John 13, and we will start reading at verse 31. John 13, 31. Uh, I don't know what your practice is here, but if okay, let us stand when we read the Bible. When therefore he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Let children, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You shall seek me, and as I said to the Jews, I now say to you also, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so far, our scripture reading, you may be seated. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, a, it's actually a, a remarkable thing that when you read through the gospel of John, that it is only at this point here in chapter 13 that Jesus for the, the first time uh, give this special term of endearment, little children. To his followers. Jesus waited actually until Judas left. And it seems almost like Judas had to leave before Jesus will call the remaining disciples little children. The fellowship between the master and his dear ones will cease forever. Jesus will go to his father. And where he's going, they will not be able to go with him. And this is going to be a great hardship for the disciples. They spend these years with him day after day after day in his fellowship, and now he's leaving them. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples for a traumatic event. He's preparing them for this, and they're going to dearly miss him. He will not be have fellowship with them with him physically anymore, but what he says here is that you will have fellowship with each other. You will have one another. And so he he leaves them with 
some spiritual treasures. He gives them this exhortation that we see here in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You may listen to these words and, and react and say, I think I'm safe. We love one another. I love this church. That's why I'm, I'm part of this church. I, I love the, the preaching of Pastor Hines. I, I love the, the Sunday school teaching. Uh, we are a, a great group. Uh, we have great fellowship meals together. Uh, surely what, what we're doing is we are obeying Jesus. We're loving each other. And you may be right. But let's look a, take a closer look at this text. Jesus says it's a new commandment. And now the question is, why does Jesus call this a new commandment to love one another? Several places in the Old Testament, it has already been said that they, the believer need to love one another. If you look at Leviticus chapter 19, for instance, Leviticus 19, there in verse 18, he says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He says, You shall love one another as yourself. And so, you look at what Jesus says here, it does not seem like what Jesus is saying to love one another is anything new. Why does he call it a new commandment? This has been taught for, for centuries. See, as, as sinful human beings, we, we tend to simply uh, mechanically keep the law. For instance, we, we hear we need to to read our, our Bibles daily. And so every day we, we open our Bibles and we read a passage. We check the mark. We read the Bible today. We, you may not know what you read. It may not have meant anything to you, but you've done it. But what Jesus is speaking here is more about the spirit of the law. You see, there's a, there's a difference between doing something or loving somebody just to check the mark and say, I did a deed of love. I, I did my, my duty, my good deed of the day, as some people will call it. And truly love a person and love him, first of all, because I love Christ and Christ loved me. And so here is the newness in this commandment. The love for our neighbors that Jesus commands is a, a love by the standard as we see it in the example of Christ. Jesus requires, 
His disciples, and let's, let's just remind each other here, the disciples that he is reminding is you and I. He's, he's reminding us here that, that the disciples shall love one another as he loves us. And so Jesus gave a new depth to this commandment. Jesus gave a, a, a new standard to what it means to love one another. It has a, a depth that has never been seen before. Jesus gave us an example of a constant self-sacrificing love. And he says, this is how we should love one another. You see, this is a, a love that, that never changes. And, and no sacrifice is ever too great. This is the kind of love that Jesus loved us. He says, this is what, how your disciples will be marked. My disciples will be marked that you are my disciple. Today, people use all kinds of, of different marks to show that, that they are Christians. Uh, we see the little fish in the back of the car or a, a cross as a, a necklace, sometimes a cross in the, as an earring. Or the, what would Jesus do? Uh, a bracelet. Uh, shortly after I, I moved to the United States, in those days I, I used the yellow pages to find a business when I needed something. Um, do you remember the yellow pages? And I, I learned very quickly... If a business says, we are Christian, you can trust us, stay away. Go by the word of mouth. <laughs> because many in our society call themselves Christians, but they're not disciples of the Lord. About all people in our area uh, say they, they are Christian. The people who followed Jesus were first called Christian in Antioch. They said, these are the followers of Christ. They are like Him. They, they behave like Him. They are Christ's ones. Because Christians follow Jesus, we call them Christians. See, that's not true anymore. So many in our society go by the name of Christian, but they're not really following Christ. They're not really following the Lord. They're not disciples of Christ necessarily. Let us remember, a, a disciple is a, a follower of the Lord. He is being taught by the Lord through His Word and His Spirit. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, we get a, a pretty good description of what a disciple is. Look in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look there at verse 5, or let's start verse 3. For I testify that according to their ability... And beyond their ability, they gave 
of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Why is it that, that these Christians were so generous? Why is it that they gave beyond their ability? Well, the reason is they, they first gave themselves to the Lord, Paul says. And so uh, we see a, a, a good definition of, of what a disciple is, what a true Christian is. It's a person who gives himself wholeheartedly to the Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Well, in John, we're looking today at, at this text in chapter 13, but, but John really gives two more places in, in the gospel where he says what the disciple of Jesus is. And I just want to quickly look at the other two before we look deeper into chapter 13. In John chapter 8, look at John chapter 8, look there at, at verse 31. Of the three marks that, that John gives of what the disciple is, here we get the first one. Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you abide in my word. And so if we, we look at that, there's really two aspects, two things that is important of what Jesus is saying here. The Bible needs to be read, it needs to be studied, it needs to be memorized, it needs to, to be guarded in your heart. Uh, Christians have to continually submit themselves to the faithful teaching of the Word, which is really the problem, isn't it, in our Christian society today. Um, there's so many who, who do not spend much time in the Word. They do not abide in the Word. They, they, they do not sit frequently under the teaching, gospel, true gospel teaching of the gospel. They're sporadic even in their worship services. And so, consider this. Do you love the Word? Do you love the, the Gospel? Do you daily submit yourself to that Word? Reading it? Hearing it? Remember what I said earlier, not to check the mark, but do, do, does that Word speak to your heart? on a daily basis. The second thing we see here in, in John 8 is that after we hear it speak, we need to continue in it. We need to abide in it. The Christian holds on to the biblical teaching and apply it in his, his daily walk. We may not know all of the Word. We may not understand it all. But that which we know and understand, that which we, we follow, and we live by it, so the first mark we see is that the disciple, you're a disciple when you abide 
in his word. The second mark of a disciple of Jesus is seen in chapter 15. If you want to turn with me to uh, John chapter 15. Look there at verse 4. John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and, and I in him, he bears fruit, much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so you prove to be my disciples. And so, to prove a disciple, what is Jesus saying here is, is that you will bear fruit. And the way that you can bear fruit is if you abide in Christ. Verse 5, verse five says, apart from God, we cannot do anything. It is the, the work of the Spirit. And by, by His grace alone... We can do that. And we see that is essential if we want to bear fruit. Is to, we need to remain in Christ. We need to abide in Him, Jesus says. When the Spirit speaks, we draw near and we listen. Every opportunity we get to hear the teaching of the Word, we, we need to listen and we need to apply it. So here Jesus goes back to the first point that, that John made earlier in chapter 8 is where we abide in the Word. Jesus brings it in here again. You need to listen to me. You need to hear it. It needs to be part of your life, and you will bear fruit. I had an uncle, who some of you know, who said he, he's, he's not a judge, but he's a good fruit inspector. He, he sees the fruit in people. How is the fruit that you bear? Do you bear this fruit? Do you abide in Christ? Are you in His Word? Jesus at another place said, uh, a good apple tree will not bear bad fruit. Do you bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? I think the third mark of the disciple what a disciple is, is actually found in the text that we are looking at today. In this text, Jesus makes the remark that it's not only God that will know that a person is a disciple if he is truly a disciple of Christ, but he says the world will recognize it. I don't know about you, but to me this is scary. This is as if Jesus turns to the world, and he says, look at this individual. 
Look at this individual. Do you see him practicing the love that I have shown to my people? Do you see him practicing that kind of love to the others in faith? See, the the third mark of a Christian is to love one another in the way that Christ loved us sacrificially. So Christ's love is that width, it is the, the depth of the love that we should show. This is the standard by which others should judge us and see, is he a disciple? Whenever it is said that what you do now is not a loving thing, we need to listen. And if there's any truth in it, we need to fall on our knees and, and, fall to re- and, and fall in repentance before the Lord. Does the world recognize the love of Christ in your life? Does he see how you practice it? Do they see you sacrificing your time? Do they see you sacrificing your resources, your energy? For other people, for others in the church? Are you known for the love that you display for the others around you? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of us, know, of us know these verses by heart. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to the burned, to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. God is teaching us here through the Apostle Paul, inspired. He speaks and he says, you may do great things as a Christian, even through your faith, but if love is absent, there's a problem. You don't have Christ. Look at all these these signs of a Christian that is mentioned first, You may speak in tongues, well, at least among some, it is a a sign of the upper class Christian. Second, uh, you may prophesy or uh, you may have all kinds of knowledge, uh, special knowledge, extraordinary wisdom, or you may be known for your 
deep faith in Christ is mentioned here. Look at verse 3. You may give away everything that you have to the poor. What a great mark of love. You may give up, he says here, your life as a martyr. You may die for others. I mean, these are serious Christian actions that he's speaking of here. He says, but if you do not have the love of Jesus, you are nothing but an irritating noise. Without this love of Jesus, you're just making noise. You're really nothing. But then look at verse, verses 4 and further. It says, love is patient, love is kind, and it's not jealous. Love does not brag, and it's not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. And so we see here, you see what you really want to get serious about when you are indeed a disciple of Christ. These are the things we need to put to practice. Often in, in counseling, what I do is I give counselees the assignment to keep a love journal to memorize these four verses, verse 4 and further, and keep a love journal. And it will be something like, like this, where they day to day they would write, my, my co-worker had a terrible remark about my clothing today. But love is kind. It does not seek its own. And I spoke kind words to her. Or my husband came home and make a harsh made a harsh comment about the food that I prepared. But love is not easily provoked. And does not take into account, account wrong suffered. And so I gave him a hug. See, such a, a journal helps us to, to keep in mind through the day and, and, and through the, the verses in 1 Corinthians 13, to look at the things that happen around me and how do I live this love every day. It's not just something beautiful that I memorized, but it's actually something I live from minute to minute during the day. In 1 John chapter 3, please turn with me. It helps us to understand the depth of this love that we should show. First John chapter 3, look there at verse 16, 1 John three sixteen. we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, 
and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. You see, this love that the Scripture speaks of is not just a love that we pat somebody on the back and say, I love you. It's not, it's not a feeling, but it's an action. It is putting action behind our words. It's a, it's a visible love that we show around us. It's a sacrificial love that would be practiced even if it cost you a lot. This love would be shown to any Christian that, that is in need of it. John says, we have to lay down our lives for one another like Jesus did. You see, this is the newness of this love. Let us remember what makes this a new commandment. It, it is a love that is practiced on a complete new level. The same love that Jesus has shown us. It's a love where we are willing to die for one another. The love we show to one another uh, unmistakably has, has to have that, that stamp of Christ's love on it. It was Tertullian who wrote about the pagans in his day. He, he writes about a hundred years after the gospel was written. And he says that the pagans in his day were saying, see how they love one another, referring to the Christians. See how they love one another. And very clearly, if you read further, you see that the love that these Christians practiced were not just a pat on the back or a superficial hug at church. Because he continues... And he said, the pagans are saying how ready they are to die for one another. How ready are they to die for one another? You see, this is the love that Jesus speaks about. Look around you. Look at the people who sit around you. Are you prepared to die for these people? Are you prepared to die for these brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you willing to suffer for these people? At Grace Reformed, at some point, I, I asked that same question to the church. Some were nodding their heads. I didn't see anyone nodding his head tonight, but... I don't know if it's good or bad, probably. <laughs> but then I follow it up and I, and I ask, so if you are prepared to die for one another, which Jesus commands us to do, why are you not signing up to cook a meal for the one who is sick? Every able body should show up when somebody is moving. We should show people a way. 
when the elderly grass needs to be mowed. We should not struggle to find people to do these things. You see, if we're, we're going to practice the love of God toward each other, we need to understand that Jesus loves us, not because we are worthy, but in spite of our unworthiness. As a Reformed believer, we all need to understand that. Jesus loves us even while we're completely unworthy. Have you said or thought before that so or so is really not worth doing this for? Maybe you have not said it in those words, but you were thinking, ah, he's not involved enough, or I've done so much for him, and he never helped me when I'm in need. Why would I continue? See, Jesus loved us even while Scripture described you and I as filthy rags. He still died for us. Do you stop loving because somebody do not appreciate what you have been doing? Clearly, the love of of Jesus is more than just words. It came at a cost, a great cost, his own life. It's an act of love, a love that has been shown by him giving himself in spite of our unbelief and, and our rebellion and and who we are. And here is the beauty of this love of Jesus. It does not leave us alone. When we understand what this love is and, and we believe in our Lord, it touches our hearts, it, it touches our souls, it makes you new. And, and when you are a new creature, at some point, you start seeing people not the way the world sees them, but you see them the way God sees them. You love them not because they're worthy, but in spite of their unworthiness. And you love them not because of what you can get out of that love and that relationship, but you love them because your Lord loves you even though there are not many opportunities today to, to die for our brothers and sisters anymore, we have plenty of opportunities to sacrifice, to sacrifice our time, and sacrifice our resources, or maybe sacrifice your pride and risking to, to lose friends in, in proclaiming the gospel and, and bringing this truth to those around you. We should all be prepared to sacrifice, to, to benefit the, our brothers and sisters around us. See, this is not a love that we can simply periodically say, I love you all, but, but then it's not backed up by deeds. The love we as disciples show is, is a, a love that's evidenced in our, our deeds. 
This love should be shown to those around us. And especially, it should be shown at the household of God. This is an observable love. So let me ask you again. Do the brothers and the sisters around you know that you are a disciple of Jesus? Do they see it in the love that you practice with those around you, your co-workers and the people in your community and in the church? Remember what 1 John chapter 3 was saying, and now I turned away. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. You see, this is what it's about. It's, it's, it's about action. When your sister in Christ needs help, you show up. It doesn't matter how busy you are. Not because she's so, so loving. Think about what motivates you so often in church when somebody needs something. Are we not more inclined to, to be there for those who are so involved and, and, and do so much in the church? If we follow Christ's command here, we don't do it because she's so sweet or because she's so worthy. But we do it because Christ love her, loves her. She's a child of the King. If, if your church is, is anything like the churches that I, I served in in the past, and I'm, I'm not going to ask Patrick right now, but when need is help is help is needed it's usually the same faces who are showing up and then many others would say well i'm so busy i work so hard you mean i need to go help saturday that's my off day did you even respond the last time they needed meals for for a sick one or for anybody in the church Remember, we're commanded to die for each other. What is a meal? What is it to cook a meal? And we're not willing to experience a, a little inconvenience. We need to repent. We need to repent because we do not love the way that Christ commands us. You see, showing love in a tangible way is not only the work of the deacon, but it's the work of every believer. There's a need for sacrificial love in the church. We're not showing the world we are His disciples. And the world look at the church, and, and often you've heard it, they say they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Unfortunately, sometimes they're right. So my brother and sister, let me ask you again. 
according to these three marks, are you a disciple of Christ? Many would say yes. Many in our society would say yes. The most professing Christians would probably say yes. However, some of the, the worst backbiting and slandering and conflict is often found in the church. It is sad. We see so much unloving behavior right in the body of Christ. And I, I don't know Brittle Heights <laughs> that well. I, I know mostly about it. I, I know Brother Patrick pretty well. And he didn't say anything to me about it. Please, don't go back to him. <laughs> You may, may say, well, we don't have those kind of problems in the church. We don't have any, any slandering, gossip, fighting, and great. But are you actively loving the way that Christ loves? Everyone should ask himself this question. Do I show this sacrificing love Jesus speaks about? Do I show this kind of love where I never get tired about it, never tired of giving? For my Lord never gets tired giving to me. Do I have this saving faith and, and do I abide in His teaching? Do I bear the fruit of the Spirit? And lastly, do I practice this love towards my neighbor? That is so big that I do not mind making huge sacrifices and continuing to do, do that. In other words, am I a disciple of Jesus? Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are my disciple. If you love one another in a way that I love you so that the world will see it, you are my disciple. When you bear much fruit... You show yourself to be my disciple. May God give that we would truly be known in our society and be seen as the disciples of Christ who truly loves, not because they receive anything, not because there's any worth, but because of that great love of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, when we read this disciple, this command of being a disciple according to the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, we realize, Lord, that so often we fall so far short. Lord, we pray, give us that love of Jesus. Give that love in our hearts that we will first love our Lord with our whole hearts and with our whole souls. And according to the love of Jesus, we will truly love our neighbors with a great love. We pray, Lord, that this church will be known in this community for their, their great love they have for one another. So that even 
this sinful and dark world will look at this church and say, I would like and would love to be part of that. We pray your great blessing upon this congregation and her leaders. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.